Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast, presented, of course, by Esports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we're talking about esports health. To do that, as I'm obviously not an expert in that, I'm joined by Dr. M. She's better known as the Gamer Doc. She's based in D.C., has a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Gamer Doc, which I'll link below. So, Dr. M, the Gamer Doc, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to talking to you about this. Me too. We're going to be talking a lot about your background, how you got into this space. We're going to be talking about some of the common injuries and issues we see in professional players. And we're also going to be talking about some of the average gamer issues, people who, you know, play three, four hours a night and some of the issues they might be experiencing as well from that. So to kick it off, how did you get started? How did you become the gamer doc? My origin story, if you will. Right. This is what's that's what's on my character deck card. Um, it's a really good question. It's a long, it's a very long uh, process and a long journey. When I was six, uh, I started I started gaming. My grandpa, I think he felt a little bit sad that he wasn't spending a lot of time with me, so he got me an N sixty four Ocarina of Time, OG Nintendo. I, mean, I guess that's not really the OG Nintendo, but it's my OG day. in my world too. Right. So. <laughs> Um, and I've been gaming ever since then. Gaming for me has always been one of my main hobbies. It's been how I got through the stress of med school. It's been what I've turned to in, in times when I needed some consistency, when I needed a stress outlet. And I mean, if you're gaming all the time, you have a set online group you play with, right? Like, MW2, I had my set squad I would play with. I would log on with every night. And when when people find out you're in med school, something really remarkable happens. They start showing you all of their rashes. Um, When they start taking off clothes to show you something, that's when you know you need to leave the room, to be honest. Uh, But people started asking me health questions despite, you know, being in my second year of med school. So all I've learned about at that point is biochemistry and basic sciences. But my online friends started asking me questions about things they were feeling. You know, I have numbness in my fingers. I have a pain in my neck. And they're asking me this while we're in a a round of like uh, drop zone or domination. So I'm like trying to cap the flag and I'm, you know, sitting on the flag and, and this guy's like, I have this numbness in my fingers, and I'm like, I don't, dude, leave me alone. I'm trying to capture this flag right now. We'll talk about it later. Go to your doctor. So my buddies kept coming up with these injuries that they were having, and I would tell them to go to their doctor, and they kept coming back and saying, you know, my doctor doesn't know what's going on. They tell me to stop gaming. And if you're- not an option, of course. Right? Exactly. Exactly, Mitch. It's not an option. So- I don't think that's an acceptable option. You wouldn't tell a marathon runner to stop running, right? You wouldn't tell a professional basketball player, hey, you're going to have to stop playing basketball because of this small nerve injury. So I think that, you know, that's the reason why I formed Gamer Knock is because not gaming is not an acceptable, it's not acceptable advice. So what you're saying is that it really matters having a doctor who understands the gaming space and gaming injuries because there are different, it's, it's such a specific type of injury. You mentioned numbness in fingers is one of the injuries that's common to, to some people who game a lot. 
and it's such a small subset of things that only a gamer would really understand. So it, it's got to be really important to have a doctor who understands this world and understands, hey, this is the cause of this, and this is how you might be able to make this a little bit better. Exactly, exactly. Medicine is so specialized these days. As soon as you, so how it works is you graduate from medical school and you do this thing called the match. So you decide what type of physician you want to be. Do you want to be a primary care doctor, the one who's on the front line seeing patients every day? Do you want to be a pediatrician? Do you want to be a cardiologist? Do you want to be a surgeon? You decide that when you leave medical school and you get matched into that field. And that's when your real, really your advanced training starts in residency. And so people who go into let's say you're, you, you're going to become a surgeon and you want to really want to do vascular surgery. They know everything that there is to know about the inside of your arteries and the inside of your veins. But if you ask them, how do you diagnose carpal tunnel syndrome? They're, they're not going to know just because of how specialized medicine is these days. And the type of physician that I am is called a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor. What we do is we work with musculoskeletal injuries. We work with nerve injuries. I work a lot with traumatic brain injuries, amputations, and things in that nature. But I work a lot with traditional athletes. So for, for me, esports medicine was just a natural carryover. It's patients I see regularly during the day. Just the cause is slightly different. That's super interesting. So what are some of those different injuries that you see come up in a lot of gamers, either in average gamers, the people you're playing Modern Warfare with, or in some of the professionals you've worked with in the past, what are what are some common gaming injuries? First of all, Mitch, to be clear, I'm not playing Modern Warfare anymore because I'm actually really bad at Call of Duty now. I am too. I don't know what happened. I turned I turned like 25 and lost all my COD skills. Yeah, that's that seems like that's just how it goes. I, I can't keep up with the with the kids on the maps. Their their reaction time is too quick. They're playing on the highest sensitivity. I just feel like a slug out there. I can't do it. I know. I know. I actually just got a streaming PC and I had to turn down my mouse sensitivity before I could start doing anything. Just on just to like click icons on my desktop, let alone move around. I'm but I'm I'm playing I'm playing Fortnite right now. So I'm I've went from twenty five year old to twelve year old. <laughs> I, I I like Fortnite. Fortnite, you can still get around uh, the quick triggers. It's not as it's not as hectic. You can play a more strategy based game. So I'm still exactly I'm still a Fortnite exactly. Fan, but I'm moving. To we digress. Games as I get older. <laughs> Which kind of games? I'm moving to slower games. I'm playing a lot of Hearthstone. I still play a lot of Rocket League. Uh, I just finished God of War, the old God of War story, and prep for the new one. So. It's a different type of game than the the intense FPS things I I was playing like four or five years ago. Definitely, um, but yes, I'll get back to your question. I'm sorry, I, I tend to digress a lot. Uh, so, common esports injuries. Um, one of the things about this field is because it's so new and because the medical community doesn't really take it seriously right now, is that there's not a lot of good data out there. There's, there's some studies that are coming out and there's more and more every day, but the studies we have right now are, so if you were to take a patient population and you want to find how frequently an illness occurs in that patient population, you would need thousands and thousands of people to make that study relevant. The problem is with esports medicine, we're only having 
between 50 and 100 people participate in these studies. So everything, the incidence of diseases is, is something that we're not entirely sure of, but we are sure of a couple things. One is that eye strain is really the number one issue that people who are gaming need to worry about, is, is making sure that their eyes are functioning exactly how they should be and make sure that they're treating their eyes like they would treat any other organ. So part of that is the experts recommend getting your eyes checked every year if you're a high-risk population. And gamers are certainly a high-risk population. And uh, just having an annual eye exam, because if you can squint and you see better, you need a new prescription. That's just hands down. If you can squint and you see better, you're changing how the light refracts in your eyes and you need a new prescription. So Mitch, do you wear glasses? I don't, but I'm squinting right now to try and figure out how to do better. <laughs> I actually, I haven't, I'm, you know, t doctors are the worst patients ever. So I haven't had my eyes checked in about two years. It's on, it's on my schedule. It's on my to-do list. But I now have to, with my glasses on, pull the corner of my eyes sideways in order to read a menu. So it's, uh, it's, it's problematic. But uh, so eye strain is, is really the number one issue. And aside from getting your eyes checked one of the things we always like to say is the 20-20-20 rule. So every 20 minutes, you want to look at a spot 20 feet away for at least 20 seconds. And this is because when you're looking at a screen that might be, you know, 18 inches in front of your nose all day, your eyes are accommodating to that distance. And you can get what's called accommodative spasm, where your eyes get fixated on a small point. So when you look away, they get stuck. Your eyes are muscles. It has muscles controlling small movements, just like anywhere else in your body. So in order to prevent that and to prevent further eye strain, 20-20-20 rule. We live by that. I'm like opening up the blinds right now, so I have something 20 <laughs> feet away for me to look at. I'm giving your advice as we record this podcast right now. So that's, that's really interesting. And it's, I, I feel like eyes, you always hear about carpal tunnel, but eyes, especially with many people's jobs also being very focused on a screen to do that all day and then to come home and game means you're spending a lot of time looking at a screen that is very close in front of you. So it's, it's really important that you're getting that varied eyesight and looking and focusing on something. Uh, so that's definitely something I'm going to start incorporating more into my life going forward. The 20-20-20 rule. That's, that's nice and catchy too. I like that. I know. I wish I would have made it up, but you know, I just, I'm just simply regurgitating medical information. Well, you could have, <laughs> and what we recommend, you could have taken credit for that. <laughs> what we recommend is that if you have a set spot you game from, is that you just mark out on the wall with a piece of tape, a spot 20 feet away. And then, so if you're playing Fortnite, every time you win a match or every time you get sent back to the lobby, you just look at that screen. And, you know, do a stretch or two. Um, so what what about hand injuries? So eyes are a huge thing, but you mentioned uh, finger numbness in the past. Carpal tunnels always been something sometimes stereotypically associated with the esports and gaming worlds. But how about hand stretches, uh, hand injuries? What are some of the dangers of, you know, having your hands tightened up and feeling some numbness there? Carpal tunnel definitely is something that everyone loves to talk about, partially because we understand it the most, so it's easy to talk about. There's, so there's two 
two major subtypes of injuries we see in the hand. One are what the PTs love to say, RSIs, repetitive strain injuries, or I just like to think of them as tendon issues. So a tendon is simply something that connects a muscle to a bone, right? A ligament attaches bone to bone, a tendon attaches muscle to bone. It's just a continuation of a muscle. And the second injury that we see is a nerve injury. And a nerve is just, it brings the impulses from your brain to your muscles. So they can have similar end results, right? Muscle weakness in the hand, but how we get there is very different. So with your, so let's, we can hit on carpal tunnel first. So their carpal tunnel is a nerve issue. It's an issue with your median nerve. There's two major nerves that run to your hand and control hand function. And if you damage those nerves, the first signs are numbness and tingling. This, and after the numbness and tingling starts to progress, because, you know, no, no one goes to the doctor for numbness and tingling, especially if you're 19 years old. So if that progresses and you leave that unchecked, it can actually lead to muscle weakness in the muscles that that nerve innervates. And I just said a lot of medical terms, so I'm going to come back and explain it in layman terms. So your median nerve is this big nerve that runs through your carpal tunnel. And your carpal tunnel is just a space uh, an open space that's supposed to be open that connects your forearm to your hand. So if your median nerve is running through there, it's, it's supposed to have a lot of space around it, a lot of fluid around it to move. And when you extend and flex your hand, it glides through that space. If your wrist is in a non-neutral position, meaning there's an angle between your forearm and your hand, whether it's extended, like you're sitting at a keyboard and you don't have a wrist rest, those big clunky mechanical keyboards that sound so nice but are so elevated, or if your wrist is flexed, like you're using a uh, controller, it causes the pressure in that tunnel to go up by almost 10%. I'm sorry, 10 times, not 10%. It can go up, up to 10 times. So that places a lot of pressure on that nerve. And the first thing that people usually see is numbness and tingling in their first three digits. So their thumb, their index finger, and their middle finger. That's the, one of the first signs of carpal tunnel syndrome. If, we get, if, if you come in with numbness and tingling in those first three digits, there's really simple physical exam maneuvers we can do to diagnose carpal tunnel syndrome. But if you don't come in at that point, and you wait until it progresses, you can get, you can, the, that muscle bulk at the base of your thumb can start to deteriorate and you can get weakness in your thumb, which is something that gamers certainly do not want. Definitely. And it can have some pretty significant repercussions if you don't diagnose it early, right? It can require surgery to fix it eventually. Yep. I, exactly. So uh, part of my job as a physical medicine and rehabilitation doctor is we get a lot of diagnoses of carpal tunnel coming in for treatment and for further diagnostics. So for um, mild carpal tunnel syndrome, the treatment is conservative. So we, we educate people on keeping their wrist in neutral. We give people wrist splints to keep their wrist in neutral because it's hard to do when you're at a keyboard. Um, if the if the symptoms progress and you get moderate or severe carpal tunnel syndrome, then those measures don't work anymore. The nerve damage is so extensive that those measures won't help you. So if you get it early, literally just modifying your activities can can fix it. But if you get it late, then the only thing they can do is go in and actually snip the 
thick band that's covering the carpal tunnel to make more space in that in that where the median nerve travels. That sounds very unpleasant. I don't think I want them to snip a band in my in my hand. Does that have yep. a long lasting effect? If they have to do surgery on that, does your hand ever return to its normal function or does that affect you for the rest of your life? It depends at what extent you come in, at what severity you come in at. Nerves are nerves will regrow, but if you damage it too much, they won't. So if you've gotten to the point where your median nerve is so damaged that you're losing hand function, or some of that hand function may never return. Wow, that's pretty scary. So what are some of the things you can do as you game? I think gamers now are pretty aware of like hand stretches as a important part. And if you listen to this podcast and you don't ever do hand stretches, you need to start. Uh, I'm going to assume I haven't I haven't seen on your YouTube channel, but do you have a video going over some some good hand stretches for gamers to be doing like a nice five minute uh, workout that can help alleviate a lot of these stresses? We definitely do. We have uh, a couple of videos. So I work with a couple of physical therapists and a couple of uh, occupational therapists who who really focus on hands. So we, with them, have come up with a really easy warm up for gamers to do before they sit down to play. So if you are about to run on, say you're, you're an NFL player, you know, you're Kenyon Drake and you just got traded and you want to really perform in Thursday night football. So before you run out into the field, you're going to warm up, right? You go to the arena early. You are going to do some running. You do some biking. You're going to start warming up your legs, your hands, your back. You're going to start stretching. You don't just show up, dress, and run onto the field, which is a lot what a lot of gamers do. They think that they sit down at their computer and they think that warming up is just hopping into creative mode in Fortnite and gaming. But what we've done is is figured out ways to warm up those small intrinsic muscles in your hands so that you're more prepared to game when you sit down. Really cool. Big shout out to Kenyon Drake, helping out my fantasy team a ton. Much appreciated on the waiver wire pickup. I was a, are you an Arizona Cardinal fan or just uh, watch the game? We're recording this on Friday, the day after Thursday night football. You're not going to hear this till the week after, but that's why uh, she's mentioning Thursday night football here. When you hear this, it's going to be like a week ago and it'll seem like a really random reference. But Kenyon Drake just went up for 100 some odd yards on Thursday Night Football the day before. So that's where that warm up reference comes from. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's I, I think people aren't thinking about warming up as much for gamers. And I think that's one of the, the reasons why all these issues are so obvious. It, it's so built into us that before we run, we stretch before we lift weights. We start, you, you do a set with lighter weight, higher reps to get your muscles going. But I mean, you want a game, you just sit down and you do it. And then you can also push through some of the issues you find because it's not quite as, you know, you, uh, you strain a muscle, you feel that. You can't really run on that. But if you get a little numbness in your hand, you can push through that. You shouldn't, but you can. I think that's what poses such a potential danger for so many gamers and esports athletes is you can sort of just push through these symptoms until it gets to be too late. Yeah, I think you really you really hit the nail on the head. And the issue also is that these things are popping up 
in 18, 19, 20-year-olds who haven't had that wake-up call of turning 30 when literally the morning you turn 30, everything starts to hurt, where you take a little more proactive approach towards your health because you realize that you're not immortal and that you realize you need to start worrying about your body or it's not always going to be the healthiest. So, you know, having a little bit of numbness and tingling in your pinky as a 19 year old is the last thing on their mind, right? It's number one is how am I going to get a viral video on TikTok? <laughs> number two is performing in esports, And number three is like the high school dance. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not a number one on their priority list. But what, what I like to say is we all, you know, esports is blowing up, right? I don't need to tell you that. I don't need to tell anyone who's listening to podcasts that esports is drawing the nation's attention. No, it's no longer a hobby. It's a viable career path. It's an entry into college for some people who might not normally have been able to afford it. So if we want esports to be taken seriously, we have to stop treating esports like it's a hobby. We have to approach it with the same mentality that we approach anything else we want to get better at. We have to take it seriously. We have to worry about things like nutrition, about warming up, about cooling down, about mentally preparing. If we want esports to continue on this trajectory, everyone who already buys in needs to start treating it a little bit more seriously. Definitely. I think that's a huge thing. And we're seeing it start to happen a little bit more. To this point, we've been talking, and I want to make this clear to anybody who's listening, we're not just talking about professional esports players who are playing eight to 10 hours a day. Although obviously this does directly apply to them. We're talking about your casual gamer who's playing four games of Fortnite after work. We're talking about people who spend two to three hours, but day after day, these issues can affect all of you. So just to, just to make that very clear, this is not just for the esports professional. Uh, it's for everybody who spends a, a decent amount of time gaming. But when we actually do look at esports professionals, we're seeing organizations and teams really put an increased focus on health. And I just talked to Cam from Complexity Gaming about they're working directly with the Dallas Cowboys. They've got this office that overlooks the football field for the Dallas Cowboys. It's sick, but they are joining. They're putting Complexity players into the Dallas Cowboys health regiments and having them work out alongside Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott in the Cowboys training facility. And that's something we're seeing for a lot of different esports organizations. So what do you think is fueling this increased focus on health? Is some of that data starting to reach esports organizations? Are they just seeing some of these issues, some complaints from their players pop up and are like, wait, we really need to be focusing on this? What's, uh, what's the inspiration behind this big move towards health for esports pros, is it just the professionalization of the esports industry coming through now? That's that's a really good question. I have been loving the recent huge surgeons in healthcare partnerships. It's been I've had a, a Google alert set for esports medicine for the past year and a half. So a Google alert just sends you an email whenever a specific keyword is mentioned, and I up until. Four months ago, I was getting emails every two, three weeks. Now I'm getting emails every two to three days about new partnerships. Down, You have Orlando or Magic Gaming and Orlando Health partnering. You have Skillshot, uh, people in Atlanta partnering. There's Chicago people partnering, MedStar and Wizard Sister Gaming. Everyone's partnering, and it's, 
it's just so wonderful what they're doing, especially down in Texas. That is, I have watched their videos and been following the whole process. I think it's that, you know, right now, from the data that we have, the lifespan of a gamer, the average career span of a professional gamer is is three years, right? We And why is it three years? We're not quite sure, but that is so low. Imagine if the average career of an NFL quarterback was three years. Yeah, it's it's insane. And that's something I wanted to bring up is, is burnout. I actually, you reached out to me because of your Google alert. You had it set and a couple of weeks ago, I had an article published, which was Nike working with the League of Legends Pro League in China about improving players' health. And I think and they, they mentioned it's part of the goal of this is to reduce burnout with meta changes mm-hmm. and with crazy practice schedules. They had UZI in there and he said, my arms are like a 40 to 50 year old. That was translated from uh, Mandarin, of course, but... That's what that was the translated quote on the video from Nike. And that's pretty scary. It's it's like if LeBron James retired at age 25, he wouldn't have won an NBA championship. He wouldn't be the the person he is today. And for esports to build those people into the generational stars that really are the drivers of traditional sports, the players have to play into their 30s or they need to have more than three years. Three years is the career span of an NFL player. That's should not be the same as somebody who's a gamer because they don't. There's so many other things that go into that. So it is pretty crazy how quick careers are. I think it goes without saying. You think that improve improvement on and focus on health, physical and mental. I would say will help uh, extend careers in the long run. Hundred percent. And I think that's why. To get back to your previous question. That's why companies are focusing more on the health aspect. I mean, I would love, I would love to say it's because they want their athletes to be healthier, right? That is that to be the motivating factor, and I'm sure it is. But it is a money game, right? You put your time and your money in this person, and you you say, hey, I want them. This guy is an amazing gamer. He's going to be the face of our esports org but then after two years he can't feel his hand anymore so he has to retire so you know in order to increase the longevity of gamers you have to focus on the mental health so you know things like i think gen g just partnered with la fitness which i love gen g as an esports organization everything i hear about them i just love but aside from you know in keeping the longevity around we can make better gamers using science, right? So if they're investing, if Complexity Gaming is investing in having a training regimen for their gamers, I will not be surprised to see their gameplay improve. We know that science can make better athletes, right? Every year, not every year, but marathon times constantly go down and down and down and down. There was a huge craze over high altitude training years and years and years ago. Why? Because when you train at higher altitude, your blood becomes more efficient at carrying oxygen and more efficient at delivering it to those tissues. Once we discovered that and proved it with science, everyone started training at high altitudes. So if we, we, we know science can make better gamers or can make better athletes. So what, what, what I think these companies are trying to do is use science to make better gamers. It definitely makes a lot of sense. And everybody has 
everybody benefits from esports players playing for longer periods of times. Brands who are doing sponsorships, uh, teams that have players in there, the esports scenes in general. We notice in traditional sports, it, we're really moving towards a player-centered fandom in that you could have a fan of LeBron James who over the years has been a fan of the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Miami Heat, and now he's a Los Angeles Lakers fan. And yep. that wasn't really a normal thing 20 years ago, but that's sort of where in this age of social media and this age of connecting to, to different stars, people are way more willing to move fandoms. And so that drives the popularity of the NBA in this example in a big way. And it can do the same for esports if the players are continuing to play for a long time. And then you have the guy who, who has a kid. And it's like, hey, look at J-Cap playing for in Call of Duty. I remember watching him play when I was, you know, I was 18. And look at him still playing at 35. And that's just not something that has ever happened in esports to date, where you have these generational players... Uh, and that's something that's it's it's important to everybody in esports. It's important to the brands. It's important to the teams. All this money entering esports. It's one of the questions I really need to answer: is how do we get these guys to continue and girls to continue playing for as long as possible? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I we, we had touched on you know the burnout aspect before. Right. Everyone's not like the the player who said his arm is a forty to fifty year old. That that's the reason he had to tap out. But other people, it might not be as straightforward or simple as a, a nerve injury that they're having. That you you talked about the hours that people have to play in order to maintain this high level of performance. We're, we're seeing 500 to 600 actions per minute that these gamers have to perform, and it's it's not sustainable for a lot of people because I think that people aren't training as efficiently as they could be. Right. So you want to get better at your, you want to get better at Fortnite. People are going into, you know, scrims, squad scrims is what they call it. They're going up against other pros and they're playing Fortnite over and over and over and over and over and over and over again for eight to nine to 10 to 12 hours and they're wondering why they're not getting better. That's like me saying, hey, you know, I, I started playing ice hockey as an adult. I'm still very terrible at it. But that's like me saying, hey, I want to get better at ice hockey. I'm going to go out on this rink and I'm going to scrimmage for eight hours. I'm going to scrimmage for 12 hours, which, which isn't how traditional athletes train, right? If I want to get better at ice hockey, I need to work on my skating before I even put a stick in my hand. After I work on my skating, I need to work on passing. I need to work on stick handling. I need to work on shooting. I need to work on plays. I need to work on communication. That is the efficient way to train that we all inherently know that, right? Anyone who's ever played a sport knows that. But for some reason, we're not translating this effective practice strategy towards esports. Now you see a lot more players doing it. You see them going into you know, an AIM trainer and you see them for Fortnite working in zone wars or working in box fights, but it's, it's still not commonplace for the people to work on specific skills for their esport. And I think that is one of the contributing factors to burnout is because we're not training efficiently and we're not training smart. 
You bring it, it's, it's such a good point, and it's also referenced in that Nike video. Uh, one of the League of Legends players says something that the Nike person told him, and the quote was, if a runner only runs, they will fail every time. Uh, and so it's, it, it's such an important thing because you don't think about this, but when you're playing a traditional sport, your body tells you, hey, I got to get off the ice. My ankles hurt. I, I've been taking hits. This is bad. Like your body's like, hey, go do something else. This is no longer a positive experience for you. But when you're playing esports, that point where a training session turns towards a negative, where you're not gaining anything, and in fact, actually might be creating bad habits because you're tilted or you're tired or your hands sore or what, whatever it may be, it's really hard to identify that point. What sort of, if you, from your perspective, what signs do you think show that, hey, this gaming session may be, you may have reached the tipping point where you're not, this practice is no longer effective, and now it actually might be detrimental for you to keep playing, keep solo queuing this game. What are some of the signs that you're reaching that point in a day? I think there's a couple. My So my grandmother used to say something to me from when I was a little kid. She got it from somewhere something somehow i don't i don't know where she got it from but she always used to say listen to your body's intelligence your body is the reason why we feel pain as humans is to warn us of impending injury right it's the same reason it's like if you get a cold and your nose is running your nose isn't running because of the virus that's infecting you your nose is running because your body is trying to expel that virus from your nose it's the same thing with pain when you when you're injured, it's not like your body is sending out pain signals for any other reason than to tell you to stop doing that thing. That's what pain is. Your body is saying, please stop doing this. You're hurting us. So numbness and tingling that doesn't go away almost immediately is your first sign to stop gaming because you're going to continue to turn that small nerve compression that's immediately going to get better. Like when your arm goes to sleep, you're going to turn that into a nerve injury that's going to take time to heal. So numbness and tingling is a huge point to stop. If you ever feel, so there's a difference between types of pain. And what I always like to tell my patients when they're in a clinic visit is that a sharp pain is usually not good, right? If you feel like when you're running and you're pushing yourselves and you start to feel a little bit of like dull pain in your quads, I typically push through that. But if you ever feel a sharp pain, a sharp shooting pain, that's usually a really good sign to stop doing what you're doing. I think another really important part of gaming is the mental side and the mental aspect. If you're not in a, the appropriate mental space, the headspace, so if you are game after game after game, you're getting sent back to the lobby, your KD ratio is off. That's a good time to just take a break and check in with yourself. Because if you're not mentally prepared to perform, you're not going to perform. It's your brain is, is this magical thing that will, it will, you can visualize and, and see your own future. If you are telling yourself that you're trash and that you can't do it, chances are you're not going to be able to do it. It's a, a good point. I think everyone's had that tilting sesh where they're playing ranked and it's not going right and they're losing and they maybe start blaming their teammates. I know it's happened to me in Rocket League before. And ultimately, the core of it comes back to you. You are the only common thread among each of these games. And if you're frustrated, if you're losing, you're probably 
off your game right now. And the best thing you could do is just step away. But sometimes that's a really tough thing to do when it just it, it feels like giving up a little bit. If you're on a four game losing streak, and you're like, ah, I, I've got to get this better. And then you just lose and lose again. And so eventually you just have to hang it up and maybe go for a walk, maybe go work out, uh, get some food, get some water come back with a new mindset or just play the next day. It's uh, it's an important thing to learn. It's really tough to do because while you're in the midst of it, you're like, I got to gotta get a win. Like, why? how, how am I not winning? And it, it always comes back to, to you. That's the common thread. Just one more game. One more game. One more game. Next one will be different, right? right? I, I always have, right? And I have always have, I'm that person in the squad who always is like, come on, let's just do one more. This next one, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. But, you know, it, it's it's probably not going to be different um, if you're if you're still in that space. Yeah, if you don't take some time to improve. So we talked a little bit about different esports organizations building out health plans. I want to put this on you. If let's, let's do a hypothetical here. Say 100 Thieves reached out to you and was like, we want you to build a health plan for our different esports athletes where do you start with that do you change things based on what game people play are you starting with physical health are you starting with mental health i know this is a huge huge question but say this was to happen where would you begin in that scenario you bring up an interesting point there, what game they're playing. I think it's also important to, um, what they're gaming on. So the injuries that affect console players are a lot different from the injuries that affect mouse and keyboard players. So that is definitely very important because different stretches, different um, different techniques will, will, will address different systems. But like, I, you know, in education really is the first step and sitting down with individual players. One of the things about esports medicine is, and one of the things that's difficult about getting the message out is that it's so highly individualized. Every person's different. They all have different key lines. They all sit at different setups. They all, it's not just one basketball that you're putting in one hoop. Every single thing is different. So sitting down with each individual player and just taking a look at their setup, seeing how they sit when they're gaming, seeing what their mentality is around gaming. How do they prepare? What do they do in the morning? When they get up in the morning, do they drink a glass of water or do they pound two energy drinks? Do they exercise during the day? Do they eat healthy or do they just eat processed foods? I think just traditional and basic health concepts should be and need to be the foundation of any esports program. So the first thing is, is figuring out, you got to get your, you got to get your diet right. You need to stay hydrated. Otherwise you're not going to be performing the way you are and you're not going to be recovering from, from a gaming session the way you should be. If you're playing 12 hours a day and you're only drinking energy drinks, those toxins that you got, the lactic acid that's building up, is not going to be carried away as efficiently. You're going to be sore. Your muscles aren't going to recover as as well. You're not going to be as fast in the future. So first things first, get people drinking water, get people off energy drinks. You know, I'm, and I'm not saying don't drink caffeine. I'm currently chugging a bunch of cold brew right now. You know, caffeine isn't the en enemy. It's the additives. It's the sugar. 
it's the insulin spikes that are the enemy. And then getting people on healthy diets. You know, you don't have to eat paleo in order to be an effective gamer. So you need, your brain needs sugar to function. If you're eating protein, that's fantastic. You need to eat protein. You need to eat fiber. You need to eat a diverse group of foods. But those things can't cross the blood-brain barrier and get to your brain like glucose can. Glucose only comes from carbohydrates. So how do you get that glucose in your body is another thing that gamers need to start thinking about. If you're eating processed food, if you're eating simple carbs, you're going to get that glucose in, your insulin's going to spike, and then your blood sugar is going to drop in an hour. And that glucose that your brain needs is no longer going to be around because of that insulin spike. So your performance is going to decay and you're going to get sleepy. So in order to have a long lasting, this is one of the things you talked about, about individualization. What game are they playing? If you're playing Rocket League, you know, the games are really short. If you're playing Fortnite and you're playing competitive Fortnite, the game could last for 25, 30 minutes. So how long does your brain need to be performing for? So getting complex carbohydrates in your body, that's not going to cause your insulin to spike and is going to give your brain a constant supply of glucose is really important. So diet is so important. Hydration, sleep is so important to gamers. People love to have this badge of honor of this 24-hour stream session. And, you know, if you got a Fortnite tournament the following day, you're going to stay up all night warming up and practicing. That is literally the opposite of what the data tells us. Sleep deprivation causes a decay in performance. We know this. We know this from, from multiple, multiple, multiple studies. So if I were to be approached by Nadeshot to say, hey, we need a CMO of our organization and we want to make health a priority, those are the things, the fundamentals that some of us really take for granted. Those are the things that need to be addressed before you go anywhere else. Yeah, that's that's so important. And actually, I'm glad you brought up nutrition because the reason 100 Thieves was quick to my uh, my head is one, one, I really like their organization. I think they do some really unique things. But also, I don't know if you saw, uh, they went to the house they rented out for the Fortnite players during TwitchCon. And did you see this? I didn't. This? Okay. So Nadeshot and uh, John Robinson, I think he's there. He's one of their other C-level executives over at uh, 100 Thieves. Go to this house and it is a mess. <laughs> and it just every single fast food brand, you, you would think it would sponsored, except there's no way they could have all these sponsorships because you had every fast food brand, you had every kind of fastish food brand, your Chipotle's, Mod Pizzas, uh, those those sort of things. And it's just trash everywhere. And while they're remarking, like, wow, how are you gonna leave a place like this? What I'm thinking is how are they eating like this? That's horrid. Like they have this whole house, get some groceries, get some eggs and some toast. And they just were eating out and eating fast food or fast food adjacent restaurants, the entirety of TwitchCon. And it's, I'll link the video below and I'll send it to you because it was just for anybody who's, I, you know, these kids are 17, 18, 19 years old. Their metabolism somehow can absorb this food. But I saw that. It was just like my gut <laughs> would be so mad at me if I consumed the food that they were consuming 
during this. And it just says a lot about that educational aspect about how, hey, just because you're successful at this game and you're young and you now have money through does not mean you can eat mm-hmm. like this. Like you have to be focusing on other things and you can't live like that too. I, I got I to gotta link the video because it was just, it was painful to watch, but I was looking at that and they were focusing on the mess, but I was focusing on, focusing on the nutritional aspect. Like, oh my Lord, these kids need a nutritionist. You're, you're spending so much money on the health of these kids. Well, get somebody in there who understands nutrition and understands a healthy diet and that'll help them perform better in the game. It'll help them feel better in the long run. They can't be eaten like that uh, exactly. every meal of the day. Exactly. And so I, if, if anyone listening is trying to get into the esports world and wants to make a million dollars, I have been trying to get companies to do this for an entire year now. They need a meal prep service like um, Territory or something oh, okay. that you can go. So the pre-made meals targeted towards gamers. So things that aren't messy to eat, but don't require a fork and knife. So like a really, uh, a really well wrapped burrito, a really, a really well wrapped wrap or something that you can eat very easily that has all of the necessary proteins and carbs and fats that you need, but also has things targeted towards gamers. You know, this whole nootropic field is so brand new, is brand new in gaming and is relieving receiving so much attention, having food that has pomegranates or blueberries or sweet potatoes, things that are superfoods, putting that in a way that gamers can easily eat and then shipping that food out to where, you know, if you're, if you're a streamer, you can go to your local CrossFit, pick up seven of these pre-made meals, put them in your fridge. And then when you're gaming and you don't want to stop gaming, pop it in the microwave and pull it out. If someone makes a, not not meal prep in the way that they have to cook it, where it's fully made and ready to be served, but it's organic and it's healthy. If someone makes that for gamers, for people involved in esports, they're going to make millions of dollars. That's a great idea. In fact, I think I'm going to cut this out of the podcast and we're going to keep this idea and we're going to, we're going to figure out how to do this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Keeping it for yourself. You're like, all right, and I'm no longer a podcast host. Um, you can call me Chef Mitch. Yes, we're moving into the cooking game. Let's do it. I think it's a great <laughs> idea. I, I think that's so smart. And especially with, you know, I remember being the age of those kids. They've got a lot of streaming. If you're, if you're streaming, first of all, taking time to leave the stream is going to kill your viewer count. Even if it's five minutes, mm-hmm. your viewer count is going to fly away. So they're going to go to to microwavable meals. And also, they're not super culinarily inclined. It's hard to find a 17-year-old who is super good at making quick, easy meals, leftovers, meal prepping. They'll turn to Hot Pockets. So giving them a healthier mm-hmm. choice that works well for what they need to do is clearly marketed towards them. I think that's a I think that's a a big hit and you can then market it to 100 thieves. It's like, "Hey, you got your kids who are in this house, stock it up with 30 of these meals." And that's yep. they'll turn to that before they'll go and grubhub 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 for 4 days straight. Exactly. And we're not like I'm not asking for it to be quinoa, broccoli, 
pesto paste or anything. It can be stuff that they're going to eat, like you said, like Hot Pockets. I did a stream a couple months ago about how to make healthy Hot Pockets. So there's, you know, if you're packing three servings of vegetables inside and you're using non-processed cheese and you're using real tomatoes, it's okay if it's wrapped in a whole wheat dough. You know, that's not entirely unhealthy for you. If you want to eat a Hot Pocket, eat a Hot Pocket. But let's make it healthy so that when they, so because if something's not good, they're not going to eat it. It doesn't matter if it's marketed towards them. If you're trying to give them a cauliflower rice Hot Pocket, they're not going to eat it. So a little bit of playing to the group, a little bit of, you know, a little bit of unhealthiness is fine if it, because otherwise they're going to eat McDonald's. Yeah. It's you're, you're, you're playing just to the slightly better option here where it's, if it's constant fast food. It's like, yeah, sure. Give me a, a, you can have a sour cream and cheese heavy burrito with a lot of chicken in it. And that's going to be, it's not great for them, but it's better than going to Chipotle and getting the exact same thing exactly. with another 600 calories added in. So that's, exactly. I, I think that's a really good idea. I think it's a business plan that could be very successful. And it shows just how many opportunities there are in the gaming space for companies to find ways to associate with this audience and take existing companies, existing uh, corporate models and extend them to the gaming space it's there's so many opportunities for that it, it's great to see that and i, I want to like take that to bitcraft right now and be like will you invest in this do it you don't have to uh you don't have to give me any find your fee money i just want no you're food. in you're in you're you're the partner in this we're, we're making this happen i'm in it for the burritos here <laughs> i just want a lot of burritos that's the only goal here lots of burritos no i love it i love it i think it's a great a great idea and again speaks to just how many opportunities there are in the esports space for unique ideas like that one so mm -hmm. i want to wrap up here in a little bit but i want to end on your opinion what are three key takeaways we've been talking for 50 minutes here there's been a lot of great stuff in here if you could just get three things to the average gamer listening to this what three things would you tell them to help them improve their personal and gaming health Number one, start thinking about these things now, even if they're not affecting you. Look at your setup. Just Google basic ergonomics of a stream setup. You don't even have to look at my resources. Do anything. Go to 1HP's resources. And, and look at the where you game and think about some areas that could be problematic. Is the top of your screen at eye level? Are you sitting up straight in your chair? Because prevention, if, if you're thinking about prevention, you don't have to worry about treatment. So number one, look around, start thinking about your health now, start thinking about prevention. Number two, please stretch. Just everyone stretch. It's Stretching is so good for you. Think about this. There's, there's going to be a certain time in your life where you reach your hands above your head and then you reach your arms back down and you can't bring them back up again, right? Ask a 90-year-old to reach their hands above their head and they can't do it. Why is that? Is because we stop reaching our hands above our head. Everything in life is right in front of us now. We're no longer climbing trees. We're no longer hunting down our food. So all day, our, we're internally rotated and reaching in front of us. Just pull your shoulders back, reach behind you, reach up over your head, do that 10 times a day. You don't need fancy stretches. You don't need to watch my YouTube videos. Just reach your hands above your head 10 times a day. 
Number three, you can be a casual gamer. I'm a casual gamer. I am not a competitive gamer. I'm not going to win any competitions with my skills there. I used to be good, but now I'm trash. But esports is growing so rapidly. It's like we're in the internet business. It's like we're talking about Apple 30 years ago. There are huge, huge career opportunities available for everyone in esports. You just got to figure out where your niche is. So if you have a skill, take it and apply it to esports because life is too short to do a job that you hate. So if you're a gamer and this is your passion, figure out how you can combine your career and your passion because now is the time to get into esports. Those, Those are my are top great three. three options. And yeah, I will I will co-sign that that last point. If you want to get into esports, this is it's like the sporting world. There's going to be so many opportunities in this space and it's it's everything from artists to writers to coders to doctors clearly lawyers like every single viable career path that you might have seen can be a translated to esports in some way so yeah definitely co-sign that one uh so where can they where can they find you if you want more from the gamer doc uh you could follow her on youtube as i subscribe to her youtube channel that's youtube.com slash gamer doc where else what other social channels do you want Twitter is really our number one at this point. We post probably too much, but, you know, I want everyone to hear what I ha- what's going on in my mind. But we're on Twitter at the underscore gamer underscore doc. Really rolls off the tongue. Um, and then from there, we have the link to the rest of our socials. But if you find us on Twitter, you're going to see the most of our content. Um, most of it's educational. I hope all of it's entertaining. Definitely, And I'll put the links to those social channels on her guest page. So if you go to the podcast, you should see her guest, click on that and should have every one of those social channels, her YouTube, her Twitch, uh, Twitter, every, every different thing that you could want. And Hey, highly suggest you follow that because improving your health as a gamer is one of the key things. And you know, if you if you notice some of these symptoms that we're talking about and you didn't think it was a big deal, now is the time to increase your stretches, to focus on your posture, maybe even improve your nutrition. We don't have the meal service for you yet, but there are small things you can do to help improve those different aspects of your life. So thank you so much, Dr. M, the Gamer Doc, for joining the podcast. I'm Mitch Reams. This was the Esports Network Podcast. Thank you all for listening.